Welcome to the New York City Parks COVID or History Project podcast. Our subject is the history of the COVID-19 pandemic and the response and activities of New York City Parks. Our hosts are Diana Baker and Kevin Fitzpatrick. This is episode number seven, Washington Square Park. Hello, Diana. We are back in magical Williamsburg, Brooklyn at McCarran Park Play Center in the Media Education Lab. Our all-parky team is using the Media Lab to share our history with listeners, presenting some of the more than 100 interviews conducted last year about the COVID-19 pandemic. Today, our guests are both from Washington Square Park, Deborah Hopkins, Playground Associate, and Will Morrison, Park Administrator. Hi, Kevin, and hello to all our new listeners and subscribers. Welcome to our show. The last show was about open spaces and park use during the pandemic with interviews in the Central Park Arsenal. Today, we're going into the field into one of the most famous parks in the country. So, Diana, I checked these numbers. There are more than 2,000 parks, playgrounds, and recreation facilities across the five boroughs in the NYC park system. And we wanted to focus on just one. And there is no other park quite like Washington Square Park, which gets 12 million annual visitors. It's the most visited park in New York City per square foot of 9.75 acres. A weekend day may see 30,000 to 50,000 a day. In the pandemic, when parts of Manhattan emptied out and residents escaped to second homes, that did not happen here. It stayed crowded. And Washington Square Park is world famous. Diana, can you name any shows or movies that make the park so famous? Um, well, I'm going to date myself right now, uh, but one time when I was really young, maybe 16, I was hanging out in Washington Square Park, and I looked across on the other side of the park. They were setting up to do a concert, and I saw the person warming up, and all I could see was cheeks. And I was like, oh my God, it's Dizzy Gillespie. And I just ran, I left my friends, and I just headed over to the other side of the park, and you know, I saw Dizzy Gillespie in Washington Square Park for free. It's insane. That's amazing. Well, you know, it's been in a lot of movies, but I think the most recognizable, at least for the last 20 years or so, was Will Smith. I Am Legend, a great zombie movie. Of course, Law & Order shoots there, but they shoot in every park. The park has been known as a place for large public gatherings going all the way back to the 1830s. Uh, during the pandemic, it was the scene of much unrest as the pandemic dragged on. It is next door to New York University and is a gathering spot for New Yorkers and tourists from around the world. I mean, I'm looking at our podcast stats and we have listeners in India, Singapore, Belgium. Tell us about where Washington Square is located and a bit of that history. Well, the village is uh, historically um, a place for immigrants. It, uh, because of its proximity to Ellis Island, people would come from all over the world. They would be processed at Ellis Island and then um, you know, they would go into different settlement houses in um, the village. And so they, a lot of them just never left. They never left the city. They never left the neighborhood. And so we have, you know, settlement houses for Jewish people, for German people, you know, Italians, and that's, that still represents the neighborhood. Our first parky to talk to today is one of the most visible in the park, Playground associate Deborah Hopkins, known to all the children as Miss Debbie. She wears a unique silver badge on her park's uniform, and it reads Miss Debbie, Youth Activities Coordinator. Miss Debbie told me the coolest thing ever. When she got her park's promotion, 
the administrator took her up on the roof of the Washington Square Arch to tell her. I mean, how magical is that? Incredible. In addition to her maintenance duties of keeping the three playgrounds and a family restroom clean, Miss Debbie runs activities for kids from art to reading. She grew up on Long Island and came to parks eight years ago. She started in an entry-level job and has worked up to a role where she's engaging with the public as well as parks maintenance. She told us why she believes in open space and what her role was during the pandemic. I'm from Long Island. Okay. And I've been in New York City for 30 years. The thing of it is, is that I, because one of the children said, Miss Debbie, when you were growing up, what was your favorite park? And I said, I, I really didn't go to parks as a child because I grew up in the, even though I'm from Long Island, the part of, the part of Long Island I was from, there were farms. So I grew up in the country. So the woods and nature was always there. And we went to the beach. My mother would make us, I remember that she'd make us fried chicken sandwiches and say, all right, I'll come and get you at four o'clock. I, I went to the beach. So I really understand the importance of green space, as they say. I get where Th Theodore Roosevelt was coming from. You know, say you need nature because without nature, nature is such a part, of, we are such a part of nature and nature is such a part of us. And not to have it is not, does not support our equilibrium and our balance. We need green, we need to walk on the grass. We need like this breeze, we need the oxygen, we need that exchange that's readily available. It's not normal, it's just not normal not to have this. Does it, do you reflect on, you're working in one of the most famous parks. Yes. In not just the city, but probably the country. Yes. I mean, does that go through your mind that you're where well, you are? Well, I've had a long-standing relationship with this park. I remember the first, because you hear about it. You hear about Washington, movies, you always, I heard about Washington Square Park um, when I was still living in Long Island. You know the arch, it's the romantic fountain, so you know about it. So I remember the first time I came to visit, I was like, oh my God, I'm in Washington Square. And I've always loved the village. I've always loved Greenwich Village. Um, I studied theater and, and just to relate, the historical importance of the um, village, like for instance, um, I, my father was a jazz musician and I loved Billie Holiday. And there was Cafe Society. Cafe Society is one of the first clubs that just was integrated. So, so this part of the city, and let's say this part of the world, has a lot of historical importance and significance in addition just the surrounding area. And just finding out, like we found out like, oh my goodness, like I think in the 1700s, 1800s, a black man owned this. So you learn this history, you're like, wow. And then you realize that people underneath here, there are people who were buried who died from yellow fever. So you realize this park has this ongoing historical significance. So I love this park, I do. And even now during COVID, oh my goodness. What was it like for the, the kids and the parents and nannies that, that couldn't go into the playground during the, the lockdown? Well, a lot of them left, and a lot of people aren't here. Um, so what we started doing is uh, all of this, even this was locked down. So we would do, I would see children, mask and everything, and this was so funny. I would read to them. I said, okay, what can I do with them? I can read. So I had a whole big chunk of books, and I would read to them. What, you would just sit on a park bench? Or? Yes. 
on the lawn, park bench. They said, Miss Debbie, can I borrow the book? I said, yes, just bring it back. I said, so we had like a, a book exchange. I said, we have to do something. They have to be engaged because that level of social isolation isn't good for anybody, but it's particularly not good for children. And so, when was this happening? Do you remember what, what time frame that was? No, even I would read to them in the snow. Because I said, they need, they need to be engaged. Even people would come here, I'm cleaning. Because I said, okay, I'm back on more maintenance. So maintaining the park. So people would just, I would talk to people. I mean, I have a counseling background. Because you work with children, do you notice anything different about them today as in 2019? Are they different? Can I tell you this? This is so funny. They like my activities. They do. They enjoy. They enjoy the art and stuff because it's it, it's fun. Art in the park, you know, doing things, and it, it's fun. But when the schools got closed, some of some of the families didn't go away. They stayed here. So what would happen in 2020? I would just be walking, and I would hear go, children going, Miss Debbie! And it was like they needed me because they didn't have their teach, Miss Debbie! So a lot of, I said, you know what? I don't care, I'm gonna hug them because they need to be hugged. So mask and everything, I would just hug them, hold them, because they just, they need that. They, they need that. They need that social connection other than with their parents. Was, and, was that also good for you and your well-being too, to be around these, these kids and families that you serve? Yeah, because it made me say, I make a difference. I'm, I'm an, I kept saying, I'm an essential worker. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. Diana, did you walk to Washington Square Park during the pandemic? I did. I went there twice. And um, I remember the first time I went there, um, there was a group of white kids carrying signs. They had just come from the protest or whatever, and they saw me as a black person, and they just kind of like gave me, you know, a salute, like gave me the fist salute. And uh, I realized that the city was on a par, you know, like there, there, was, there was a sense of camaraderie, I felt. And so I went to the park and, you know, there was some protests happening, but it was fairly quiet at that time. Well, the park was on the news often in 2020, 2021 for what was happening in it. On one hand, there was the response to the murder of George Floyd by Minneapolis police in May 2020. This led to civil unrest nationally during the summer of 2020, including in New York. Marches and rallies were an everyday occurrence in parks with their historic location for public gatherings. Did you witness any marches and protests? I did, sometimes just a few people with signs, and other times, thousands in Manhattan. One time I did see um, some protests on uh, FDR Drive on the east side. I live on the east side of Manhattan, um, and that was like, you know, maybe hundreds of people. And then I did see uh, some sort of post-protest activity in Washington Square Park. Um, you know, it was kind of mellow at that point. There were a lot of police officers around, but, um, you know, there wasn't any, like, violence or anything like that. It seems like the gathering places, Times Square, Union Square, Tompkins Square, Washington Square, were always on the news. Parades of marchers would come down an avenue across a bridge, and the destination was a park. The marches started in parks, and they ended in parks, a gathering place. And really, since the American Revolution, New York State's parks have played host to public demonstrations and protests. 
Colonists gathered at what is now City Hall Park and toppled Bowling Green's Park's statue of King George. Since then, people have taken to the city's streets, plazas, and parks to voice their dissent during periods of unrest. Washington Square Park has served as the backdrop for many demonstrations, including a labor march in 1911 following the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory fire. Protests over homelessness and gentrification erupted in Tompkins Square Park uh, back in 1988. I was there for, uh, to see the beginning of that riot and, you know, through the end. Um, and it was, it was disconcerting. Today our parks continue to serve as places of assembly and calls to action. Black Lives Matter has regularly gathered in Foley Square, Union Square Park, Washington Square, and other downtown parks, while proponents of international movements meet daily in Dag Hammarskjöld Plaza near the United Nations. Washington Square is bigger and a magnet for public gatherings. The park is also a respite and release valve for visitors, so you can have one section for kids, another for sunbathers, and then musicians and others around the fountain. In the darkest days of the pandemic, there were raucous crowds overnight, setting trash cans on fire and holding all-night parties. The difference is those who want to use the park as a gathering point to speak and be heard, others want to use the playgrounds and recreation. Others are tourists just taking in the unique village scene. The vandals are the ones who made the newspapers and TV. At the helm of the park is Will Morrison, who has been with parks for almost 10 years. He started out in events and marketing, working around the city. He didn't come to Washington Square until the pandemic was late in the first wave and in crisis. While I was interviewing Will, a summer thunderstorm broke out, so I apologize because you're going to hear what the park sounds like during a downpour. We got soaking wet. Will was asked, why did he want to go to Washington Square Park? Why this park though? Uh, why this park? I mean, it was, it is the, people call this park the beating heart of New York City. And I'm a native New Yorker. I went to college to study political science and urban planning. This is the role that, that I have been training for um, and that I've wanted to do. I'm an Eagle Scout, always wanted to give back to the city. And you know, this, this is it. And, um, and I love the job, um, even though it is very difficult. Wait a minute, Parks got someone that went to college for this to be the supervisor of one of their most famous parks. Essentially. And what was, what was the park's situation like when you stepped into the role? An expression I've used before with colleagues is uh, it was like getting kicked out of a helicopter, uh, you know, behind enemy lines. I mean, this place had a ton of issues uh, with use because it had, you know, it had both served as a outlet not just for this neighborhood but indeed for the whole city, not just for COVID but also for the epicenter of the Black Lives Matter protest movement and subsequent spin-off protest movements. What keeps you in parks? Why, why parks? Why not? Well, the famous saying here in Washington Square Park is there's never a dull day. But I, I would extend that to my entire career at parks. I mean, there has never been a dull day and, and no two days are the same. And you, you know, I have gotten to, as a native New Yorker, especially in that first job where I was uh, in doing special events in Queens and in Manhattan and pinch hitting in other boroughs too. I mean, I really saw so much more of the city and in so many more unique ways than I would have ever seen it otherwise. And the work continues to be incredibly rewarding, not without its issues, but incredibly rewarding. 
And you know, every day I come here and there's some new challenge, some new thing to be done. And you know, right, right now you and I are, being, are inter talking to each other in the middle of a lightning storm. And who gets to do that, you know? And, and this morning when I found you, I was up on top of the arch with a New York Times reporter. So like, you never know what a day is gonna throw at you and you just kind of have to embrace it, and I love that. I love the spontaneity, and I don't mind at all working outdoors. I mean, who, who doesn't want to work in a beautiful right. park um, in New York City? What was the most challenging part of the pandemic for you, being in such a busy park? You know, I mean, I think it was both managing the safety of the staff and the public and trying to deliver the services that the public wanted from us, given the circumstances. Um, and also just, you know, just trying to get the resources marshaled to the park to really get it back to a functioning place. I mean, really trying to work with NYPD and their limited resources, Parks Enforcement and their limited resources, the borough and its limited resources, and you know, everyone, you know, a third of everybody being out with COVID at one time or another, um, that was very difficult. Um, but it was, you know, an interesting challenge and one that in the end, you know, uh, really I think gave me a crash course in being an administrator because there is no rule book or handbook for this job um, and I'm better for it. Um, there's a lot of a ton of vandalism. I mean, more than I, uh, I've you know, it's it is hard to walk around here and and recall how bad it was um, when I got here. I mean, all four sides of the statue right behind you were tagged up. The arch was tagged up. Um, it, it really had looked it looked like it had gone back to my my uh, father's New York City of the 70s and 80s. Um, and you know, you had protests coming through all the time. People climbing on everything unlicensed boxing matches, late night raves, pool parties, everything was happening here um, in, a, in a sort of lack of, of real order. Um, so it was a lot to come into and it sort of had to do some triage to start and really figure out, you know, where can we, where can we go from here? Where do we start? You know, um, and that was, that was the first challenge. Was there one moment that was particularly like just off the meter crazy that you saw down here? Yes, I mean, you know, we, there was a particular ring of people who were essentially the ringleaders of sort of a lot of the unpermitted, unlicensed, and pretty, I don't know what the right word is, I mean, just sort of hooliganism um, that was taking place here. And on one particular night when they had, you know, a combined fire breathers, unlicensed boxing match, rave until four in the morning, graffitiing the arch all over the place, and really like commandeering the park for their own uses, that that stuck. That was a that was a nadir of the park, I would say. Were there any benefits to the pandemic, do you think? Um, yes, I do think that a lot more people uh, became acquainted with the park um, than, had, than there had been previously, a new respect for the park in a lot of ways. You know, you had your agitators who certainly didn't respect the park, but there were others who really did and who, who really, for the first time, um, understood what a resource it was um, for all the folks uh, in the neighborhood and in the broader city. Because, you know, again, after the protests, it became a gathering spot across the entire city for young people especially, um, looking to find other young people to communicate with and express themselves. Hearing these stories from Washington Square Park, it almost felt like everyone had war stories, more so than other interviews from this project. Because these parkies were going to the same place every day and seeing the effects of the pandemic on a very specific level. And what is amazing now, in the season we are in today, that if you go to that park, there is no trace of that vandalism or those nights when there were all-night wild parties. It's amazing the change in three years' time.
Yes, that's one of the best things about a history project. It's so that others don't forget, and we can pass these stories on to future generations. Yes, and our next show is about food distribution from New York City Parks Recreation Centers, converted into food distribution hubs to distribute 40 million meals and battle food insecurity. Thanks for listening to our show today. And thank you for everyone for the support and feedback our podcast gets. Thank you for listening to the New York City Parks or History Project podcast. It is produced by New York City Parks Media Education. Our hosts are Diana Baker and Kevin Fitzpatrick. Our producer is Igosa Ogbo, and our sound engineer is Eddie Hall. Our executive producer is Joy Wang. Original theme music, A Stroll in the Park, is composed and performed by Brett Meany, and the show's soundbed audio is composed by Shaquem Hill-Wasse. I am announcer, Zach Lola. On our next episode, we will visit recreation centers that were converted into food distribution sites. Before we go, show some love for your favorite podcast by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And please like, subscribe, and share the podcast with your friends and family. See you in the parks.